Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show, folks. The NBA playoffs are here, and let's just talk about these matchups because, realistically, I'm not as excited about the first-round matchups, but we do have some interesting situations to kind of dive into. So we're going to start off with the Eastern Conference. Uh, 1-8 matchup. The Heat got in eventually in the playing tournament, Uh, you know, Losing to the Hawks was quite bizarre in the playing tournament, so the Hawks got the 7th seed. But Miami is the 8th seed against Milwaukee, who did edge out Boston for the top seed down the stretch of the regular season. You know, this is one where got it comes down to, are the Bucks healthy? And and when I say the Bucks, I really mean Chris Middleton, uh, who had been out most of the year. Drew Holiday had been the most consistently healthy guy on the Bucks all season long. Giannis has been a little bit banged up, but Giannis is also an MVP candidate. Although, I still think it's Jokic, just truth be told. I can go into my reasons why, but, you know, in terms of playing time, uh, Giannis has missed some time. Not as much as Embiid, uh, but that's a whole nother story. But realistically, I kind of look at this matchup as Miami doesn't necessarily have the firepower to keep up with the Bucks. The Heat have been weird this year in terms of the consistency and the quality of effort from the defensive end to the offensive end. Because I look at this Heat team and everyone thinks of that team from the bubble, but Jay Crowder's not there anymore. It's it's not necessarily the same team. The three and D players you know, they got Max Struss, and solid guy. I don't really see a true playoff performer there. 
you know, Duck and Robinson never worked out. They brought in Kevin Love uh, at the trade deadline from Cleveland, but, you know, it really hasn't gelled. So, at the end of the day, you basically got a situation where it's Jimmy Butler carrying the team. Bam, Adebayo's got to put up numbers and be a defensive presence in the middle. And then you got to hope Tyler Hero can hit shots for the Heat. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Just to keep this series extended, that that's the real issue. As long as the Bucks, you know, we don't get any major updates or injuries uh, on the Bucks side with Middleton, um, especially. This is looking closer to a five, or you know, I can't see the Miami taking two games unless there's some something uh, pops up. Like that's realistically. Where it kind of comes out that this seems like a five-game series where we do the gentleman sweep and Miami gets a game at home and we kind of go from there. Uh, it's just I don't see enough out of the Heat in general unless something goes on with the Bucks that we don't know about. You know, realistically, this is a pretty straightforward series. So, but it's a 1-8 matchup, so what are you going to do? Um, next up, we got Boston and Atlanta. Again, I think Atlanta was fortunate to even make it into the playoffs. The Trey Young situation where Atlanta is actively trying to shop Trey Young, even though they're trying to play it off that as like, we're not trying to shop Trey Young. It's like everyone kind of knows that Hawks management is pretty fed up with Trey Young. And this Quinn Snyder hire was a last ditch effort to see if they could salvage anything out of Trey Young, because giving him a max extension isn't necessarily what they're feeling comfortable with, given the issues Trey has had with being consistent, showing up to work, doing the little things as a team lead. It just, you know, that situation in Atlanta looks like it's a very volatile situation at this point. But, you know... Here they find themselves in uh, in the seventh seed uh, thanks to the playing tournament. You know, at at this point, I, I would say it's basically this is the the best they could do. I I don't see how Atlanta holds anything in this series against Boston. Maybe it goes five. This probably is the series that goes in a straight sweep in the Eastern Conference because the way the Celtics defend, the priority of the Celtics is to win the NBA title. They were resting players uh, more as a priority to get ready for the playoffs uh, and drop some games down the stretch. But, you know, yeah, it's Joe Missoula as coach. We don't know what we're going to get out of Missoula uh, given that as a rookie coach give uh, with the whole Ime Udoka uh, debacle. Listen, at the end of the day, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown seem to be on the same page. I know everyone keeps talking about Jalen Brown's impending free agency, but everything from an interview standpoint seems like he's focused on just getting the thing done and winning a title. To me... This is one of those cases where I look at Boston out of the East. I don't see a ton of scenarios where they get bounced. 
certainly not to Atlanta. Again, you don't know, like, I always say this, same thing with hockey as it is with NBA. Injuries play a critical role. Nobody wants to uh, talk about it, but it's the reality situation. But as the Celtics are constructed, I only see a handful of teams really being able to compete against them. And in the East, I only think it's the Bucks. I don't think it's the Sixers. I think Boston treads that Sixers uh, team uh, matchup-wise. I think it's a terrible matchup for the Sixers. So uh, to me, I think they walk over Atlanta. This is probably a sweep. Maybe it goes five, but feels like a sweep to me. Uh, moving on. We got the aforementioned Sixers, and it, I mean, how are the Nets a six seed still? Like the East, what what are we doing? Like there are so many teams that fell out of contention in the East that this zombie Nets team that got rid of KD and Kyrie. Although I do think uh, Kyrie is uh, addition by subtraction, uh, all things considered, but. The Nets still hung on to the sixth seed when it really should have gone to Miami. Like, again, this is how Miami just did nothing the last month and a half of the season, and the Nets ended up holding on to the sixth seed. This is a bizarre um, matchup. I, I I still had to double-check my eyes to see how, how the heck did the Nets still hang on to the sixth seed. But, you know, all things considered... It's a case where, you know, the Nets still hung on by virtue of being one game ahead of uh, of uh, Miami. And they were only one game behind, the, uh, or actually, no, I shouldn't say that. They were two games behind the Knicks um, because the Knicks are, 40, uh, are at 47 wins and the Nets uh, had 45. But regardless, you know, Mikhail Bridges has played well for the, the Nets, uh already outpaced Kyrie Irving's uh, scoring for the Nets, uh, as well as, uh, <laughs> actually, no, I should say uh, Kyrie scoring, scoring average uh, for the uh, Nets, uh, and uh, had already outscored Ben Simmons in his tenure with the Nets. Ben Simmons still on the Nets roster, by the way. Um, worst employee in the NBA, Ben Simmons, still on the Nets roster, not playing in this series, mainly because... Uh, he has cited a back injury that no one can actually find where he injured his back yet again. Um, fan, like, like this is uh, this is one of those where, <laughs> like, the NBA is a very bizarre place because in any standard workplace, like, there would be like accident investigators like investigating Ben Simmons to see how injured is he? Is this a valid claim? Like, realistically, Ben Simmons. Not playing at this stage is utterly absurd. That's the most biggest thing you can have with the Nets. That's made the sixth seed. And Ben Simmons just pretty much is just like a sunk cost on the roster um, on at this point. But again, similar to what I said with Atlanta. Terrible matchup. You know, fair play to the Nets for hanging in there. I don't see how the Nets match up even remotely well against any playoff team, all things considered. Like, the Nets have been competing, but in the playoffs, you have to shorten your rotations because the teams are playing their best players. 
you look at the Nets, it's Mikael Bridges and Yeah, that's about it. Like Spencer Dinwiddie? Uh like no no one takes Spencer Dinwiddie seriously. I, I you know, uh, the only thing I'll say is Mikael Bridges has shown me more now that he's been given the freedom out of Phoenix to the point where I actually kind of look back on it and say, "Huh. You know what? Maybe I effed up." I did say that Phoenix didn't give up any of their top three players, and I got to look back and say, ah, you know what? I I got that wrong. Uh, Miguel Bridges is uh, is a guy who looks like he could lead a team on his own with, with his versatility because I didn't think he was that versatile of an offensive scorer, but now that he's had the freedom to express himself and not run in more of a standard offense uh, that he was in Cleveland as a third option or fourth option on most plays, he's actually shown the versatility that, yeah, maybe uh, Phoenix should have just given up uh, uh, Aiton. Although, we'll get to the uh, Phoenix side of uh, things. Like uh, From a a fit standpoint, Bridges was never going to fit properly in Phoenix once the KD trade went down. So he had to go, but I I do think that value-wise now, uh, the Nets made out pretty well, all things considered, with the KD trade. And I know that's a crazy thing to say because it's KD, but it's it's it, uh, I, I think Sean Marks deserves uh, a little bit more credit than he's probably been given, given the hand he got dealt by Kyrie, who calls this cluster you-know-what. But that that being said, I I don't see where the Nets truly compete in the series. Uh, that that's my that's my bigger takeaway uh, from this is I don't see where the Nets truly compete in the series. I think this ends up being closer to um, closer to a five game series than anything else. I think the Nets could probably take a game in Brooklyn. I think that's pretty much the extent. I do think that the games are competitive, at least. Where Philly only pulls away late. Because, again, the Nets play solid. They play together as a team under Jacques Vaughn. But I don't necessarily see where the Nets gain an advantage. You know, And I know people want to criticize Doc Rivers' coaching style. But Doc gets at least the Sixers to play uh, like like where they're not completely unprepared. Like, I don't see the Sixers just being completely unprepared to start a game and, you know, they get, they're get they getting blown out. I think it's more of a case of, yeah, the Sixers may struggle shooting, or but they're running their offense and, you know, they kind of go through it. It's like, I just think this series comes down to how hard can the Nets keep competing and see if they can edge out a game against Philly. Uh, but I think... The games were all competitive. I just don't see where the Nets have enough to get over the hump. And finally, the actual entertaining game of the first round for the Eastern Conference, the Knicks as a five seed. And I lead off with the Knicks versus the Cavs as a four seed. Interesting dynamic here. The Cavs are at the four seed, but realistically, the Knicks are the better team. And I'm and I'm going to tell you why. The Knicks are a deeper team in terms of their. Uh, once you rattle off 
There's seven, eight players. They're a deeper and better team overall compared to the Cavs players. Because, you know, the Knicks can bring quickly off the bench. The Cavs are bringing Ricky Rubio and Isaac Okoro off the bench. And that's all you got to say about it. it. Like, realistically, the Cavs are not that good. Like, it's a, it's a more of a, a statement to how good of a player Donovan Mitchell is and the fact that the Knicks screwed up the offseason by not trading for Donovan Mitchell, that Donovan Mitchell was still able to get this Cavs team into the playoffs as a four seed, no less. If the Knicks made the trade and traded Obi Toppin and R.J. Barrett and some draft picks for Donovan Mitchell, I would say the Knicks should be uh, right up there with Boston as the favorite to win the East. That's the tilting thing about this series. You know, Knicks fans are going to thump their chest saying, oh, we don't need Donovan Mitchell, and I I got news for my fellow Knicks fans. Yes, you do need Donovan Mitchell because that was our chance of actually making the finals. This Knicks team is fun, but this Knicks team basically, you know, I expect the Knicks to win this series just because the more I keep watching this Cavs team down the stretch of the second half, you know, it's Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland but once it gets into playoff basketball and teams start playing defense, it gets a lot harder to get easy buckets. And I don't see where the Cavs get a ton of easy buckets. I think with Jalen Brunson, the Knicks are able to get easier buckets because of the fact that you can still use uh, guys like uh, Julius Randle on the outside. And as much as I don't like Randle ch- chucking as many threes as he does... You have to at least respect his range that it's going to draw some of the big guys out of the paint and you're going to be able to get a little bit more freedom to operate in space and and penetrate. The Cavs, uh, when you look at it, their outside shooting is really going to be coming from Mitchell. And he's not a, I wouldn't say Mitchell's a great three-point shooter. He He could get it done. But a lot of it's still tied to Garland and Mitchell and not necessarily the scoring um, uh, from uh, the other role players. Uh, So uh, Mobley, you know, I just don't see from the three-point shooting aspect. The Knicks actually have the advantage here. I think it's it's a case where the Knicks, their depth and their ability to score in bunches from other parts of the bench when they bring in Grimes, when they bring in quickly, they have more versatility than what you get out of the Cavs. Now, again, I, I, I will say this. If the Knicks lose this series, man, it's going to be so triggered because, you know, we haven't seen anything out of R.J. Barrett in terms of development this year. And the Knicks paid him over $100 million when they didn't have to. You gave him an early extension when you didn't have to. And what was supposed to be a prove-it year, he ain't proved diddly. I got to see if R.J. Barrett can actually elevate his game. And maybe he will save it for the playoffs. But it kind of tells me, no, we should have paid. Uh, the money sh- really should have been going to quickly. And we should have been planning our exit strategy from R.J. Barrett. Even if you didn't want to do the Donovan Mitchell trade, which I completely disagree with that standpoint, and no, I am not 
advocating for the Zach Levine trade that I don't know why people keep throwing his name out when it comes to the Knicks. It aggravates me to no uh, to no end. But realistically, I just don't see much out of this Knicks team beyond the first round. I don't think they match up particularly well against uh, the Bucks. You know, I think the Knicks need a lot of things to break in their favor. You know, this this is one of those, again, I say it all the time. Uh, In the NHL, uh, it comes out to a war of attrition. You don't get as much in the NBA, but you need something fluky to happen to the Bucks for the Knicks to even have a shot in that series of that series going um, less than, I mean, more than five games. I I think a Knicks-Bucks series would be uh, terrible for the Knicks just from a matchup standpoint. I think the Knicks actually match up way better against Boston than they do against the Bucks, but you know, it's a case of maybe somebody gets hurt. Maybe Middleton gets hurt again. Um, and the Knicks get a break in the second round. I don't know. But I do think, you know, first things first, the Knicks match up very well against the Cavs. And that's where I kind of see things going. Um, in favor of the Knicks. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll get into the Western Conference after a uh, uh, little bit from the sponsor, so stick around. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back and going into the Western Conference. One thing you'll notice is that the Western Conference records are not where the East are. So the Nuggets are the one seed, but the Nuggets only have more wins than uh, uh, the Cavs. Uh, who had 51 wins. Nuggets were at 53. The West, way more uh, dispersed in terms of win-loss records and, and teams winning. Uh, the West was just deeper. Like, there were a bunch of bad teams in the East. Uh, again, you know, bad teams in the East. Uh, but, uh, you know, as it comes down to it, uh, you know, playing tournament, uh, Thunder came close, Pelicans... We're above 500, got knocked out uh, by the Thunder, uh, and then it kind of came down to uh, the Wolves, uh, you know, winning that eighth seed over the Thunder and getting in this matchup against the, the Nuggets. Here's the thing. I say, Nug- uh, I say Jokic is the MVP, mainly because when you look at this Nuggets team, this Nuggets team probably doesn't make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. If you look at the rest of that roster outside of Jokic, because Jamal Murray's their best player, Aaron uh, Gordon has been solid, but I describe him as yonstipating because you really don't get much in terms of ceiling, and the floor can be low a lot of nights. Uh, you know, he'll play solid defense throughout, but his offensive game is so erratic. You know, he and Kyle Anderson are not that different, um, truth be told. In terms of, even though their builds are very different in terms of production, he and Kyle Anderson on the opposite side for uh, the T-Wolves, realistically, are very similar. Michael uh, Porter Jr., I don't know if it's just the back injuries have started slowing down even further, but the production just hasn't been there to warrant. Uh, you know, he's been a, he's been a solid NBA player where he got drafted as a late first round pick. Yeah, from what he was expected to be originally in the league, like this guy was supposed to be a top five pick originally before. The injury reports about his back came up, and it became a huge deal about him getting drafted. He just never developed into the guy people thought he was going to be. Like, truth be told, it's like where he got drafted, yeah, you can't call him a bust. But in terms of what people expected that he was going to be as an NBA player, bust. I, I Like, let's just call it, a, uh, call it what it is. Bust. So... The reason why Jokic is the MVP is that when you look at the rest of this Nuggets roster, 
yeah, I don't think they can make the playoffs in the East, which means you're probably uh, looking at a team that, for all intents and purposes, would be 20th in the league. You know, being perfectly honest, like they're probably somewhere 20 and below in the NBA without Jokic. And somehow, Jokic got them to the top seed in the tougher conference. How's that not the MVP? It's most valuable player. It's not the best player. It's the most valuable player. Because I'm not sure too many other guys would be as selfless as Jokic just focused on elevating the rest of these guys to get into winning basketball mode and putting them in winning positions to make it work with them. I think a lot of guys would have just gotten frustrated and just kind of call it, call it a day. And I'm looking at Dame Lillard because, Dame, your roster isn't that much, uh, isn't that much worse than what Jokic got, and the Blazers basically punted the entire year. If anyone's looking into tanking, and yes, the Mavs absolutely tanked to tank their way out of the uh, postseason to not give up a draft pick to the Knicks which should get taken away from him anyway, but that's a whole nother topic. But, yeah, Jokic deserves the MVP because of how bad the rest of his team is. But with that being said, the Tim Timberwolves, I don't think are necessarily the team to exploit that. I think Jokic still does his thing, still puts up uh, double-doubles, triple-doubles, I don't necessarily see Carl uh, Anthony Towns, you know, stepping up his game enough to where it needs to be defensively to give uh, Jokic enough fits that the T Wolves can make this a long series. I think this is a maybe at best six game series. It's probably five, uh, but you know, if the T Wolves can at least get a split in Denver, there's a chance this series goes deep. But more likely, this is a five-game series. Next up, we've got the Grizzlies and the Lakers. I'm going to say this point blank. Unless there's an injury to AD or LeBron, and that's a big if because, man, both these guys have been injury-prone last few years, especially AD, uh, or Mr. Glass, as uh, Charles Barkley calls him. Now, I know many of you are going to say, oh, it's oh, you're, you're citing the big city team in the Lakers. No, it, there's a very clear reason why. It's LeBron James and a Memphis team that has absolutely zero answers for him. You know, in year 20, this Grizzlies roster, you look at that Grizzlies team, and in terms of defensive stoppers, Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year, and even still, he's going to get cooked by Anthony Davis and LeBron. Like, let's just be honest. Let's be honest because you can say, "Oh, but the defensive metrics say he can get X number of blocks." I'm telling you, in the low block, he's going to get worked by AD and LeBron. That that's just the that's just the simple truth of the matter. The way the Grizzlies win against the Lakers basically kind of comes down to can John Morant score enough points uh, against the Lakers and 
hope that the Lakers, uh, you know, again, kind of comes down to the roster revamp, getting rid of Russell Westbrook, who is never going to work on the Lakers with LeBron. LeBron needs shooters. We've established this over 15-plus years. I don't know why anyone thought Russell Westbrook was a good idea playing with LeBron. It was a terrible idea. Um, it's one of the dumbest ideas ever. But, you know, the reason why uh, moving uh, PBEV and Westbrook made sense for the Lakers two months ago, and I still don't understand why Minnesota would ever make that trade, but, you know, I've I've ranted about that enough that I, I, I'm just over it. Uh is the fact that D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley, again, not major names, but productive enough NBA veterans that can get the little things done for the Lakers, that makes the Lakers a problem for a lot of teams in the West. And the Grizzlies being one of them, because the Grizzlies don't necessarily have major post presence. Like, uh, as I say, Triple J, uh, you know, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., his po- his scoring is really from the perimeter. He needs to hit outside shots. He's not really a post-scorer. You need to be able to establish some post-presence against Anthony Davis to make him work defensively and wear him down. If you don't wear him down, he's going to start taking over games, and it, it just becomes an issue. And LeBron is always going to make logistical plays that are efficient for his team and get other guys involved, LeBron's going to get his points still. It's just not a great matchup for the Grizzlies, in my opinion. And again, Ja's going to try to crash to the basket and AD's there. I like, I'm telling you like the way John Morant plays where he has to get into the paint and score I just don't see that being an efficient way of going about it against the Lakers with AD in the paint. Now, if AD gets hurt, which is very likely, uh, like just given AD's injury history, it's very likely AD will get hurt at some point in the series. Then it swings back to the Grizzlies' favor because then you get the paint presence out of the way and you can start picking apart some of the Lakers on the outside and then get the dribble penetration. But as long as LeBron and AD are on the court, I don't see how the Grizzlies win a seven-game series, barring injury. I think this is a six-game series for the Lakers, and, you know, Ja has his moments, but realistically, the Grizzlies, for all their talk of how they're an up-and-coming dynasty in the making and, like, all the other nonsense they talk about, and I know people are going to say, oh, you're a hater of the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies talk more than pretty much any team outside of the Warriors and Draymond. And when the Warriors talk, it's mostly Draymond anyway. But the Grizzlies haven't done anything to warrant that amount of press coverage. Like, seriously, what have the Grizzlies done to warrant the amount of press that they get? Like, people like Job Morant, and that's why the Grizzlies get the press coverage that they get. But the rest of these guys, I mean, what are we talking about here? Dylan Brooks? Really? Like, what, why is the media giving them that, that amount of attention? It, it, to me, it, it's this is like a, a poor man's Lance Stevenson. And Lord knows the Grizzlies, if they had their, their choice, like, they would trade Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain for Zebo and Tony Allen. 
because that would help job more than the the other guys that are around him right now. That's the truth of the matter. But the Grizzlies have the roster that they have, and you know they got to uh, make it work. But I, I just think that this Lakers matchup is terrible for them. All right, next up, Kings Warriors. All right, I'm just gonna say it. I don't know what the hell <laughs> this Warriors team is gonna show up because if the Warriors show up motivated to play defense. They're going to win this series in five. If the Warriors keep screwing around with not playing any defense, they can easily lose this series to the Kings because the Warriors have been one of the worst road teams in the entire NBA, if not the worst road team in the NBA. Uh, and they're certainly the worst road team amongst all the playoff teams. Like the Warriors won, I, I want to say it was like six road games all year. Like maybe it was eight. But, like, the Warriors were so bad on the road that it was criminally uh, one of the worst uh, performances from an NBA defending champion in league history because of how historically bad on the road they were. The Warriors, and part of the reason why they suck so much on the road is they don't play defense. And Jordan Poole continues to be one of the most overrated players in the entire league. And he got paid. And Jordan Poole is an even more egregious case of someone getting paid than R.J. Barrett. And and believe me, Knicks fans know how much I rip on R.J. Barrett. I'd rather have R.J. Barrett than Jordan Poole. Because Jordan Poole, like, yeah, he could shoot. But man, he gets cooked so often defensively that is it really worth it if he gets all the bench players on the opposite team in, in motion because he can't guard anyone. So the Warriors find themselves in this weird spot where they have to rotate out Jordan Poole, but they can't play him on the same rotation as with him and Curry. Because if, they, if they're they both out there, they've got two non-defenders. And even Curry puts in more effort defending than Jordan Poole. I don't know what the excuse that the Warriors keep giving Jordan Poole that it's okay not to play any defense. No wonder Juraymon punched him in the face. <laughs> like like uh, because this guy got uh, it was getting the bag and you weren't and you been the boy who's the Mister. But anyway, I'm I'm getting sidetracked. But realistically speaking, I've I've been very critical of De'Aaron Fox over the years. I still think Tyrese Halliburton is a better player than he is. I think the Kings still would be better off with Halliburton instead of De'Aaron Fox running the show, but. You know, they they uh, they made the trade for Sabonis, which I did not agree with necessarily, uh, unless they were trading Fox instead of uh, Tyrese Halliburton. But the Kings have been the highest scoring team in the league this year because they check a lot of shots. They don't play a lot of defense. And the question is going to be, are they going to play any defense come playoff time? Could this be a situation where they become like a Hawks uh, like sensation two years ago where they decided to finally play some defense come postseason and their athleticism carries them through. It's possible. But the more likely scenario is Golden State gets their you-know-what together and takes care of business and wins a road game against the Kings and flips the series on a dime. But kind of comes down to the bench. Uh, I... Again, you guys know my feelings on Jordan Poole. I think he's one of the most overrated players in the league. 
I think the Warriors are going to have to end up having to play Gary Payton. Uh, uh, Gary, uh, is it no Gary Payton second? Sorry, um, but or is it Junior? Jeez, uh, it, it it always it it, it always drives me insane. Uh, we know he's Gary Payton's son. I I just can't remember if he called uh, Gary Payton second. Sorry, um, I, I always get confused if he calls himself Junior or the second. But um, the long story short is. Golden State got rid of Gary Payton uh, at the end of last season in the championship, thinking that, you know, the cost of keeping him wasn't worth it. And ended up having to trade James Wiseman, who, again, worked out to be a bust because he did not want to commit to any defensive. Like, Golden State has an issue with their young players. Like, their young players don't play any defense. And their veterans are getting older. This is the problem. Like, Jordan Poole is one of the catalysts of the problems. Like, their young players don't play defense. It's the thing that worries me the most about the Warriors, about turning on, is that when the Warriors did it, they did it with their veterans, and their veterans are getting older. It's getting a lot harder for Draymond, Steph, and Clay to get up for these games to play defense. And the bench keeps giving away points. Like, that was the issue this year. It's like, the bench was horrifically bad. Horrifically bad. And I look at the Kings, and, you know, Malik Monk's been a scorer throughout his career. He can he can definitely cook this Warriors defense because they don't play any defense. You know, again, which Warriors team shows up? I don't know what I'm going to get out of the Warriors. This series worries me the most because it could easily flip where... The series spirals out of control, and again, it. I can't say I'm going to be surprised because, again, the guys you would expect to be better, like Moody, Kaminga, like these guys aren't playing because they're not playing any defense. That's why they brought in Dante DiVincenzo because you know they they knew that they needed to replace Gary Payton second. So they brought him DiVincenzo, but Dante, he he can play. Like, I'm not saying he can't play, but the caliber of player that they used to have in Golden State for a bench player, DiVincenzo probably would be the last guy off the bench instead of being the sixth man off the bench. It's a very different team. Uh, I'm just saying. It's like Jermichael Green is basically cooked at this point. I mean, it's it's not like I I keep saying this. It's like, uh, and I did get it wrong earlier. Uh, I did over exaggerate the words, but it's like they want they did get to double digits because of down the stretch they played teams who were tanking, so they did end up getting double digits uh, uh, with eleven wins on the road this year, but. You know, man, it's like, it's a rough roster when you look at uh, the Warriors because Iggy cannot play anymore. Yeah, like, uh, Andre Iguodala cannot play anymore. And they miss Iggy so much because that's really, they need that additional defender off the bench. And that's where Gary Payton Jr. has kind of, I keep saying Junior instead of second, but Gary Payton second 
you know, filled that role in uh, last season. But, again, still a limited player. Like, DiVincenzo and Peyton have got to be the uh, bigger lockdown pieces for the Warriors because I... Like I, I think the Warriors are going to leak points to other teams. I don't think uh, the Kings are necessarily the team to completely punish them on that front, but I struggle to see how the Warriors... If the Lakers went out against the Grizzlies the way I expect them to, I don't see where the Warriors are getting past the Lakers. I think the Warriors are praying... That AD gets hurt and that they match up against the Grizzlies. Because the Grizzlies are a way easier matchup for the Warriors than the Lakers are. I'll say it again. The Warriors are hoping the Grizzlies win against the Lakers. Because the Warriors know they can beat the Grizzlies. I don't think the Warriors think they can beat LeBron and AD together. Uh, That's a matchup I don't think the Warriors even remotely want to consider. So, that's the really interesting matchup in the West, because I don't know what to expect. And then finally, we got the uh, the Suns and Clippers. The revenge game series for uh, Russell Westbrook against KD. Uh, so, Kevin Durant demanded his trade out. You know what I said about Phoenix. I think Phoenix is the favorite to win the West, and one of the few teams I think he'd take out Boston you know, I look at it as a case of, I still think Phoenix is the team to win the West. The Clippers are an interesting matchup against them because defensively, Kawhi Leonard can pose tons of problems as a two-way player. And when Kawhi's engaged, absolutely one of the top three players in the NBA. There's no question. What Kawhi are we going to get, though? You know, it's been very, you know, the load management is very frustrating with Kawhi. You know, the lack of passion with Kawhi is very apparent. You know, the focus you would think would be on the postseason, but we don't know. We we don't know what the, like, we know Russ is going to compete hard. Kawhi, yes, should compete hard, but... Is he going to be that dude again that you remember him on the Spurs and then in Toronto where he's the best player on the court? He absolutely has that in him. But that's what it's going to take for the Clippers to beat the Suns. Kawhi's going to be be the best player on the court and outplay KD for five games out of this series. Because even with Kawhi being the best player on the court, the Suns are going to beat the Clippers in a game, at least in this series. So, Kawhi is going to have to be the best player on the court for at least five games this series. That's a tall order of outplaying a dude that hard. We'll see. We shall see. I I still think the Suns win this. I think it's a six-game series. Could go seven, again, depending on what you get out of Kawhi, but I think it, it, it bears mentioning that you know, people are going to talk about Russell Westbrook. Westbrook's inability to shoot could be a big problem for the Clippers and giving the Suns the transition opportunities on the break. Russ is going to have to play excellent defense 
when he bricks. And that's all you can say about that. It's like he's going to have to make up for his offensive limitations, shooting-wise, with his defensive hustle and intensity, which he will do because of the animosity between him and Kitty. He is not going to want to give up that series easily. And, you know, he wants to show folks that the Lakers were wrong to uh, ship him off um, when, realistically, the uh, truth is, they had to ship him off because he was completely incompatible with LeBron. But, again, very interesting playoff series in the West. Way more interesting uh, in the West than the East, I'm afraid. Uh, but uh, we shall see how uh, the first round unfolds. Uh, but uh, more to come. But uh, if, as I said to folks, uh, these playoffs could flip on a dime. But my overall favorite is still Boston to win. But I do think it's going to be Phoenix in the finals, uh, uh, popping up in the finals again. So um, we shall see uh, for uh, we we get to get uh, Boston uh, coming out of the East again and Phoenix coming out of the West for the second time in three years. So, uh, yeah, more to come in the, in the NBA postseason. But uh, I'm more excited for the second round matchups than the first without question. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how it uh, works out. So that's all I got, folks. Uh, NHL preview coming up soon as well. So I'm uh, going to be cracking that out soon. So uh, more to come uh, next time. So stay tuned, folks. Enjoy the games. And uh, until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.